Hey guys, welcome to Biomass episode 123. Uh, I want to thank you for joining us tonight, either through the stream or through our website. Um, I had to unfortunately change our uh, normal broadcast server again. It was having issues, so I actually upgraded to a better one. Um, so if you are having a, a bookmark stream, you may have to switch and go back to the website and get the new one. But this one should be more consistent and will be changing as often. But um, we are trying a few new things through our Twitch stream as well. Um, trying to record it so it's available to watch later if you want. And kind of have some uh, visuals you can look at while you're listening. So it makes a little more... Uh, <laughs> more sense when we're talking about what something looks like you can actually see it so uh try checking us out on twitch give us feedback on that and uh let us know but uh, we got a good lineup today we got lots of stuff coming out of tokyo game show we got bait back with us um we did some necropolis stuff uh with me and zell we did division uh changes are coming and a bunch of other good stuff so um without much further ado let's move into introductions starting at the top of the list with Sarizo. i'm Sarizel. um I still talk on the phone and apparently receive voicemails, and uh, sometimes um, my phone calls get overheard by other members of uh, the, the team here because I don't know how to um, set push to talk back after turning it off. <laughs> it, don't worry, we only caught like 20% of it, so we only know most of your dark secret. Uh, Bait, go ahead, man. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Bait, and uh, I still do school, as I have to do when I get off. School stuff. And you School were out stuff. of town last week. Where'd you go? I went um, up to Milwaukee and to Michigan. Very cool. All right. And Libby? Uh, I am Libby. I do life things. I have child aggro today, so forgive me. Um, he thinks I'm a jungle gym today. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun. And uh, I'm Pokey Draven. I'm obviously a co-host here on the show. I write for the blog when we get around to doing that. Um, I'm trying to... Uh, produce things on Twitch and, and give you guys a better experience. So, uh, like I said, you know, I'd be gentle. I'm, I'm, I'm new to this stuff, but you know, I'm, I'm, we're all glad to have you here. Uh, so, um, like I said, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, mostly just announcements um, from TGS, but a few topics I kind of want to delve into. Uh, one question, though, that I'm going to pose at the beginning of the show here, and um, we'll, we'll get answers from all of you. Um, at the end of the show, but something that's been going on on the Dust Forums, actually, is someone posed the question, what makes a game distinctively New Eden? A lot of the um, feedback from the, the Nova demo uh, at FanFest was, well, it's a cool shooter, but what makes it New Eden? And uh, that obviously wasn't very prevalent, so people in the forums were asking, okay, what, what, everyone here, what, what do you guys think makes a game New Eden? What are the most key, important concepts? So I'm going to let you guys think about that throughout the course of the show, and we'll get your answers at the end. And then I'm going to read um, Ratati's response in the forums and kind of get a look at where he is um, mentally on, on that topic. So, um, But let's start off right away with uh, <laughs> Zell finally wrote me in to playing uh, Necropolis Co-op. So this is Necropolis 1.1 update, Brutal Edition. Um, and I'll we'll kind of go back and forth on this. So, Zell, you know, your your thoughts on, on how it went and how you felt it differed from the single player experience? Um, I definitely had a lot more fun with it. Um, I, I I really feel that that's the value in the game is playing it as a group. Um, it's much more amusing. Um, because I mean, it's the, the social experience of playing with you as socially engaging as you aren't. I'm I I don't know. Um, that's questionable. <laughs> Um, it was more fun. It was, you know, it, it's, it is a game that I'm not like even remotely good at. And so I, I'm 
certainly not trying to succeed in it. Um, and, and there's no sense of accomplishment to me surviving it because um, I shouldn't and I never will um, succeed in this game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun when you add a person and you have to worry about not like cleaving them accidentally, um, as I did yeah, to Pokey more than once. Um, yeah. So um, the the cool thing is where I'm where I saved is um, uh, I ha I got this like flaming axe, um, this giant flaming axe, and uh, we discovered very quickly that um, it it hits friendly players very very easily and very very well um i so because i there's a little backstory here is there's now a second class in um necropolis there is um uh the brute which is um bigger slower um and obviously stronger and then there's uh the night guard which is drastically faster um and uh i played the brute and and pokey played a night guard and i could swing like my axe and and he died and that's kind of how that worked um, yeah, um, I, I went flying, actually. It wasn't just like, oh, you took damage. It was like, he, he swings, misses the thing he's aiming for, but cleaves me in the face. I go flying as the pillar with half my health gone. Um, yeah, in that's a game the other where thing. I had some sort of knockback on everything. That was even with, the, even with the weaker weapons, I seemed to have a knockback. And that maybe that's part of the, the Brutes kit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I did a fair bit of damage. And, you know, what we were kind of doing was... Um, uh, we would come into a big group of things, and and what we learned very very quickly was that we needed to decide who was engaging in in a, a given uh, situation. Because if we both decide to go swing at something, we we're both going to take a lot of damage, and Pokey was definitely going to die. Um, so <laughs> a lot of times, what happened <laughs> is I I would I would run into this giant group and just like start swinging my axe relentlessly and kill like. 75% of them and then but I take a lot of damage doing that too and so then I would back out and then he would actually like individually kill off everybody that before they killed me um so there's kind of a like a two-step process declaring those waves um and uh we also decided that spike traps are terrible oh yeah well there's the multiple kinds there's the kind that you can clearly see that just kind of impale you that you can lead enemies into then there's the ones that you can't see and just randomly get stuck and then brutally ripped apart by everything around you because you had no way of knowing it was there. Well, there was like, there was like those red, know. there was like a red, like, it looked like a gem pattern type of thing. Like yeah, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't consistent because you'd, you'd see those and you'd go over them and they'd be okay. So you basically had to avoid 80% of the floor because you weren't sure what little red gem pattern would actually, you know, cause you to die a horrible death at the hands of whatever the hell was chasing you. Like a giant shark people, um, apparently. But those were a thing. There's these giant. Oh, yeah. It reminded me oh, a bit of yeah. um, Street Sharks. Remember that old like '80s cartoon? Like these, they got like human legs and pants on, and then giant, disproportionately large shark heads, and they would basically just shove you off cliffs and yeah. Eat you, so more or less. I actually, I had mentioned um, last time I talked about Brutal Edition on the show. I talked about the fact that um, I'd gotten like an energy sword that said um, that it w worked better against gem eaters. I'm like, what the heck's a gem eater? I don't know. It doesn't say. We found out. In in it, it's this gigantic shark head thing that murders you relentlessly. And the only reason I could figure out what right. it was called was because it's actually got a steam trading card for it that you can get. But that's it. Well, and then there's the uh, the moment where the the, the gym eater shoved Zell off a cliff, and then he fell to his death. I'm like, oh well, there he goes, he's dead. And then he respawned um, 
at the edge of the cliff. Like it, it kind of put him back up there with uh, with less health, and then he I was holding down the arrow key already, and it just put me back on the cliff, and I was off it again almost instantly. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, instantly. I'm like, oh, there you are. Oh, there you go. All right, well. I guess I'll fight this thing alone then. And I was really surprised that you only lose health when you fall off a cliff, as opposed to any other situation where you just die. Yeah, that was that was actually a little strange. It was a little more forgiving than I was expecting, but uh, considering that there's cliffs everywhere, and if you ever watch me play a Souls game, you know that I am basically intrinsically attracted to cliffs and will go off of them at every chance I get. Uh for, for whatever reason, so I I was a little. It was nice to see that I wasn't going to get totally screwed, but yeah, that game is is rough. Like we we were doing well for a while, and we'd be like, okay, we'll open this door and we'll fight the thing, and then we realized that opening the door would also cause like all other eight doors to open, and then we'd be swarmed by spiders, which I'm terrified of, and then we would die a lot. Like it, it's 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 very much a, a roguelike or a, like a Souls game if, you're, if you've ever played those. I mean, who hasn't? But y- you are incredibly squishy. I mean, like like Zell was saying with the Brute, he could actually kind of afford to kind of go in and, and be a little more aggressive because he was tankier and then he could hit a little bit harder. But uh, the, the Night Guard, they, they were quick. Like, I frequently abandoned Zell to die at the hands of my enemies when I ran away. But, you know, when I actually decided to stay and fight, I was able to, to flank around, but I really had to be careful where I was going and what I engaged because, like, 2 on one you're, you're probably going to die. Like, it's you just have to be really careful on what you pull and how you engage. And it, positioning is, is very important because, like you said, with even just two people, we were getting... You just had to split up and and kind of have him move away, and, and I'd pick up stragglers because I, I could not get near him because he'd swing the axe and pretty much murder me if I got anywhere close to him, and, and vice versa. I can only imagine what four people would be like. You you don't have to split up and, and tackle a room completely separately because I think four people trying to engage the same group is just going to you know counter counterproductive. But yeah, overall, I think it was it was a it was a good experience. You know, I, I think that they definitely added some more variety. I felt like I was seeing more and new stuff um, running around. I, mean, I think we played for probably about an hour or so, but uh, it, it felt much more unique each time as compared to kind of my single player experience and, and definitely more fun. It is a game, you know, friendly fire aside, that, that seems to play better uh, with a group because of that social aspect. I mean, we, we were laughing for the whole time because he'd be like, okay, I got the guy. And like I said, he'd, he'd completely miss him and then I'd be laying on the ground bleeding out. And, you know, or you know, I, I'd get a little overambitious and okay, I'm going to kite these guys, and you, you just pick them off in the back, and then I kite them into a spike trap and impale myself and, and die. Um, you can't take this game too seriously, though. Like, if if, if you actually, no. like, you know, if if, <laughs> if one of us got really ticked off at the other accidentally killing them, um, I, I, I think this game would become very unpleasant very quickly. <laughs> well, it's it's brutal, too. I mean, it's, like I said, I'll compare it to a Souls game again, because when you die, you lose everything. You lost um, the your only hat. thing you get to you keep, I, I lost my hat, which was was very sad because it's a cool hat. But like every level, like when you complete a level, um, you have to get a certain number of gems to unlock the door to the next level. So you you can't just sprint through; you actually have to kill stuff and get the gems to unlock it. But if you collect enough gems when you die, you can trade in X number of gems for tokens of fortune, and you can spend those tokens of fortune on various things. And one of which is, is when you get to a new level, you can spend one of these tokens. And the tokens do persist. The gems do not. So the tokens are very valuable. 
you can spend them to open this golden chest, which gives you an item which is, you know, usually pretty good. I mean, we were running around with tier one swords and armor for a while, and I think Zell got a tier two axe, and I got like a tier no, my, three. No, my axe is like, no. You're you're up one. I got a tier one flaming tier axe, one flaming. Oh, okay. and then right at the end, you got like this weird sickle blade thing that was a tier two. Tier and two. that's right. We never got a chance to see how easily that murders things. Yeah, it, it procs a bleed, I guess, which I'm all about. Because that would be sweet in that game. Because I can just stab it and run away, which is usually the best way to deal with things. But, uh, anyways, you're, you're spending these tokens, and so I, I spend the token. I got this really cool armor, increased my speed. I was like, oh, sweet. Well, I died. You lose that armor. So you spent this currency that carries over on something that does not carry over. So you really have to kind of gauge: Do I want to buy this? Because if I die, my currency I can normally keep is now going to go away, and I'm not going to get to keep it. So. I mean, that, that is kind of an element you have to, this kind of risk-reward, where it's like, okay, well, you get a chance for a cool item, but, you know, no guarantees, buddy. you got to be careful. So, And only one person, also, you can't take one it seriously. person gets that chest, too. Only the first person right. to approach it gets something out of it. So if you're as a group, you have to decide, like, well, you know what, I already have a Tier 1. You know, I already have a Flaming Axe, and that's that's doing well for me. And so, you know, he's got a Tier 0 weapon right now, so, you know, let him get that um, chest and get, you know, a decent piece of gear. And I think the the gear we got was class specific. I think I think that axe only works for the brute. Was that was that? I, I believe so. At least, well, it's I don't remember if the the weapons actually specified on them, but I know the armor you picked up that that one that, time before that, you right. died. That that was definitely um, night guard only. Right. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to think if because did you open the first chest and then that we got the night guard armor? I'm trying to think if it even no you opened it. Okay, so I'm, I'm guessing it probably will tailor it to, if it is specific, hopefully it will give it to you for your specific class. Yeah. Because I'd be kind of yeah. pissed if you're playing solo and <laughs> you open the box and get something for the class you're not playing as, it's not useless. So, or that, that, or that you buy it and then it's your friend that gets it. Friend. Right. Also right. Sucks. So, yeah, it gives you something. Because you can RNG, will, RNG will screw you every time, as we all know. But yeah, I, I think it was, it was really good. Um, definitely something that's worth not taking too seriously because your consequences of death are very high so you can't get too frustrated with it because you're you're gonna die a lot um i think we got to floor did we get to floor three or was just floor two that we that we, we wiped because we, um, we logged out at a certain floor and we we saved our, our progress so i think we logged out at the start of level three finally because we died a okay, couple times yeah. in level two and then we made it to level yeah. three and then called it yeah, so I mean, it's it's rough, you know. But we uh, overall, I think, is a pretty good experience. It definitely much improved over um, the original uh, 1.0 version, which was still very good, mind you. But this is definitely some good quality of life, and um, I hope to see you know further improvements, adding new classes and stuff. I think that that's that's definitely fun um, to kind of change the gameplay because, like like Zell said, he, what I was what he was doing with the brute, I would not be able to do with the night guard just from the stat um, differences. So. It allowed kind of a new meta to, to evolve out of the gameplay. I think that was that was pretty cool. So I'd like to see a lot more of that moving forward. And uh, the guys over at Airbrain did a pretty good job. So anything else on that, Zell, before we move along here? I'm I'm pretty pretty good. I think we covered it. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully a, a continuation with you. Yeah, I want to see if I can uh, if we can actually get to like something higher than level three would be kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and um, I, I want to stab things and see if they bleed because that would be fun. Yeah, we because we died like how many times do did we have to start over like three times? Like three, times? Uh, three, I think it wasn't too bad. We did. 
I think our first run was pretty good. Our second one run was second one was terrible. Messy. We were dead. We were dead really quick. Yeah, I well, honestly, I did like honestly, six I, sharks. Didn't we, did, yeah, didn't we? Didn't no? That was hmm. Because there was definitely one run I remember. It wasn't the first one. We like practically opened the door right into like one of the the shark dudes and and like got murdered on the stair. Because I picked a fight with this shark dude on like a staircase, and that worked out very badly for everyone involved except the shark dude. He he won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was good. <laughs> it was. It's definitely a game that produces some some good stories about horrifically dying and, and probably not too many about you being successful, but you know, that, that, that in itself is, is fun. So I, I do look forward we'll to hop on there again at some point. And um, we did record some gameplay, but it was uh, kind of haphazardly put together. So we'll, we'll see where we use that in the future, but I, I'd like to, uh, for this game and other games, probably do some, some actual you know, recorded gameplay for, for um, broadcasts and whatnot. So that should be fun. Okay. So moving along. Um, so, you know, a lot of stuff going on this week. It's it's been pretty uh, pretty busy. A lot of announcements and, and trailers and demos and stuff. So we'll probably kind of hit up a bunch of these um, kind of in rapid succession here before moving on to some of the larger topics. Uh, so uh, I think it's Bethesda is is running the uh, 30 year anniversary. Or maybe it's Ubisoft. I forget. Um, but the Crew, which is a racing game, um, is currently available for free on PC from Ubisoft. Yeah, it's Ubisoft. Um, for this month. And they've kind of been doing every month a free game each month. I think last month was Raymond Origins or something like that. Uh, but they're going to be continuing doing this throughout the uh, the end of the year. So if you like racing games, um, you can go over to Ubisoft's website and pick up uh, the crew, uh, which is going to be free for the, the PC. I'm not sure if there's a console version, but it's just the PC version that is free. So uh, are there any racing fans out there for racing games? I'm not personally a fan. My brother kind of is, but it's, it's really not my thing. Uh, I remember because I, I want to say it was like it was either June or July. The crew was free on Xbox uh, as part of the Games with Gold deal. Um, it I thought it was it, it was fine for a racing game. I'm not I'm not too big a fan of racing uh, racing games, but um, I had heard good things about uh, the world um, being able to drive from you know one side of the U.S. to the other. Um, was really appealing just to just to see what it was like and it's a really pretty world um so that much i can attest for i didn't really do any of the uh the races just drove around okay well that's good to know all right um so another thing another good deal uh so <laughs> I, i've talked about the game doom this is doom 4 but most commonly known as just doom or 2016 version um and i picked it up uh probably a month or two ago for $35 for the digital download, which is, which at the time was a really good deal. Um, and my brother was kind of bounced around the idea of picking it up and came across on Amazon, which he believed was a glitch. Like he sent to me at work, like, can you check this out? Is this, this seems too good to be true. And so the doom collector's edition, um, which is normally $120 retail and it comes with like a foot tall revenant statue. Um, which is superbly detailed. I was very impressed with it. Um, and it's got like a steel bookcase and some DLC and all kinds of stuff. Normally 120 bucks was on Amazon for like 40. Um, and the price has kind of been fluctuating around that. So he picked it up and it arrived and honestly got it is the full $120 collector's edition for 40 bucks. Um, and the price has kind of been actively going down very slowly um, throughout the weekend. So, you know, I, I've put the, the image of the statue up in chat if that's your thing, but regardless, um, it's literally five dollars more than the, the, the digital version, which I paid for. I mean, you can actually see digital version thirty-five collectors is forty. Um, so if you were thinking about getting Doom, and I, I highly, highly suggest it um, if you like 
shooters. It is probably one of the best playing shooters um, that I have experienced in this generation. Um, for the PvE, PvP, I haven't given a shot at it. My brother said it's 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 okay. Um, it's just kind of an average kind of Quake-style um, arena shooter. But as for the PvE and the map-building snap map, it is absolutely uh, superb. It's incredibly good, very, very good value. I would have easily paid 60 bucks at launch had I known it was this good. So getting it for 35 or if you want all the goodies from the Quake's Edition for 40 absolutely worth it. Over Available over on Amazon.com. Um, so you can you know, pick that up. Um, Halo 5's Forge mode is free on the uh, uh, was it the Windows Store, the Microsoft Store, um, for all of you Windows 10 users. So if you want and map making, fun. and it's custom games too, I think if I'm not you know, mistaken. I tr- you know, I tried to, I actually, I tried um, uh, Forge earlier today. Oh yeah. And um, you you can't like. I, I I got into one of the maps, you know, and I was I was looking around. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool, and I I did the tutorial for the forge building, but there's no matchmaking, so I can't like. Shoot you anybody. should be able to play custom games. Uh, you have to have friends. Forge. I think you you may have to add them through Xbox, through the Xbox app. I'm not well, sure I mean, though. But but I mean, you can't just join a public match where there's people already playing. Oh, no, a public match. I, you have to have friends, and I, I, I don't have any friends. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, though. I'm sorry, I don't play uh, Halo. Now, is this just the map building for Halo, or is it... No, it's just... So you need the game to play the no, map builder? You, or? No, you don't. It's, uh, you just download, I think it's called like Halo 5 Forge. Yeah, it's yeah. just the map building. You cannot go in and you can't play Slayer or any of the uh, multiplayer game modes um, because Halo isn't on PC. Well, you can, um, you can do the multiplayer. It's just you have to... It's, can you? It's just, but it's only custom games with your friends so you can you know play you can play on existing maps that come with the game as well as maps you make yourself but you have to you have to be friends with people and then in you know start the match it's a dedicated you know it uses your computer as the host server for it um today i learned but i can't like join a game there's no way to find a game that someone else is already playing so you can't just join a multiplayer game you have to you know have friends. Huh. I'm kind of bitter. I don't have any friends. <sighs> I'll, 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 I'll play Necropolis. I'm not interested in Halo, but I'll, I'll play Necropolis with you. It's okay. That game you have to have friends that for, too. Friends for, too. For Necropolis? Yeah. There's no yeah, open no, match no, for that. I'll, you gotta have I'll, friends I'll, for that. You gotta have friends for that. That's true, but I don't really expect... I, I wouldn't want to match make in a game with friendly fire in a game like that with people I don't you don't know. want to play Necropolis like, with, with, with puppies that that would be <laughs> I, I would have to just be the troll because if I wasn't I would get trolled and you know mercilessly because that that shit is I mean if you if you watch gameplay of like Dark Souls the kind of shit that happens there you know you, you know what it's like what people are like and it would definitely happen in Necropolis um, but uh, so the, the Halo Fortune is that no to what extent is that map building like? Is it just placing objects and stuff, or does it actually have like logic chains and, and stuff like that that you can you can like trigger um, events and whatnot? Well, so the tutorial had you you know play, place an object. You can switch between like running through the map as as a as a character, and then like just like a hover mode, and you can access their whole object library, and you can pull stuff out of it and place it, and move it, and rotate it, and whatnot. And then you can access the um, 
uh, properties for it. And and so you can change, like, for example, there's like a, um, a the thing that has the tutorial has you place is a, a man cannon. So you walk over it, it shoots you off to wherever. Um, and you can actually adjust like the, the forward, vo the forward velocity, the vertical velocity, the pitch, you know, stuff like that. And, and kind of tune that so that it lands you exactly where you want it to. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can edit a, a quite a bit about each object that you place in the, in the map. Well, that's pretty cool. If, if I was, you know, interested in actually playing Halo, I'd probably pick that up, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've got enough of my, my hands are full of what I'm working on in, in the Doom Builder, but, uh, map building is something I've always really enjoyed, and, um, you know, it's good to see good, uh, you know, it's not like mod level of, of development, but I, it's good to see, you know, tools that are actually approachable yet powerful, and that's, that's what I've really been enjoying with, with the Doom uh, snap map system. It's really fun just to, like, at least I think it is, uh, just to run around in the, um, like in Halo, for example, they give you the pre-built um, background, I guess, or the, the, the world, uh, just to walk around in it and, you know, and check stuff out. I've every time I've tried to boot up Forge mode, I have come to a uh, a wall on what to build. There's just so much to do, and so much to build. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's, that's that's definitely worth checking out. I think if people are interested in, in Halo Five and then you know would like to actually play on on something that they've built, so it's 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 cool that they released that for free to people actually play around with. I think it's probably for the best. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, another deal that's going on is it looks like on Steam, Fallout 4 is 60% off for the PC version. Um, I think they got a lot of the other DLC content as well, some of the smaller updates. Um, a few of them, I'm not sure that includes everything, but if you use code, uh, the VIP, VIP3 as your uh, coupon code, you can get a discount on uh, Fallout 4, which I think is absolutely worth it if you have not played Fallout. It's, it's a really, really solid um kind of open world exploration Fallout game. It's it's classic Fallout, but just, you know, for for this generation of games and I I mean you've you've played it as well, Bane. You you can attest to to the quality of the gameplay and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fantastic shooter. Yeah. It's it's a little more shooter than RPG than like Fallout three or New Vegas was, which yep. some people were yep. a little bitter about. But you know, overall it's still a really good experience and it's it's hilarious and has a lot of um pretty good storytelling going on so definitely worth your time if, if you like that genre and it's, it's a very good deal for uh, uh over on steam also another game where it's fun just to build stuff yeah no the <laughs> speaking of map building i mean it's obviously a, a single player but the the uh settlement building system is is absolutely fantastic it, it could be easily a game in of itself um mm -hmm. in, in fact some people have actually done playthroughs of fallout where they never actually leave the starting town um, of sanctuary hills they level up their character by building stuff um, with scrap wood they find around and eventually set up caravans to bring them more materials so they can build up their fortress and they do the entire game and like max out their character without ever leaving the start you know the, the opening city um which is obviously a bit of extreme way to play it but like i said it, it could definitely be a game in of itself um it's mind-boggling the stuff you can do i mean even that has some some rudimentary like uh you know logic stuff where you have pressure plates that activate other stuff and defenses and all kinds of cool stuff like that so if you like that sort of thing um in a single player setting that's also a, a good selling point for uh, fallout 4 uh, so another thing that released over TGS, um, we talked about it uh, a while ago, Metal Gear Survive, which I, I ridiculed um, immensely um, as 
many of you probably know Hideo Kojima, who is the father of the Metal Gear Solid series, um, left Konami over some some uh, differences with the company and uh, joined up with Sony. But Konami retained rights to the Metal Gear uh, franchise, and they have started to put out gameplay trailer for a game called Metal Gear Survive, which is basically an alternate universe timeline where people following the Ground Zeroes game get sucked into a wormhole into an alternate dimension where they fight off zombies. Um, <laughs> which is... Yeah, no, it's it's the dumbest, dumbest thing ever. Um, they actually uh, asked Kojima what his thoughts were on it, and he basically said, well, Metal Gear Solid is about espionage, politics. I'm not really sure where zombies, you know, fit in with that, and reiterated that he has had absolutely nothing to do with this project. It is He has not touched it at all, nor wants to touch it. He thinks it's just, he's like, it's whatever. You know, they're doing their thing. I, I have nothing to do with it. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the, the premise behind it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, the, the, the reception when they announced it was very negative. People were like, what the hell, Konami? Um, which is kind of puts you in a weird position because I'm, I'm looking at it and it's running on the Metal Gear Solid 5 engine, which is absolutely fantastic. It looks great. It plays really well. Um, and the gameplay actually looks pretty interesting. It has, in some ways, um, kind of a seven days seven days to die sort of thing where they're actually building like barricades and stuff to, to fight the creatures and whatnot and, and kind of going around doing their thing. Um, it, it looks interesting. If, if, and I said this before. If I didn't know that it was supposed to be a Metal Gear game, I would think, wow, that looks really good. But because it is, it really puts a bad taste in my mouth. Like, why are you doing this? This kind of crappy cash grab, bitter, we're, we're going to use your franchise even though you're gone. Um, I don't know. That's just that's kind of my personal opinion. I, I think it's it's in poor taste, and it, it makes me not want to play the game pretty much solely because of that. Um, which may be stupid, but that's that's just how I feel. I guess one saving grace is that the game is supposedly only going to be about $30. It's not meant to be like a full feature release title since they openly admit that they're reusing a lot of the stuff that already exists in Metal Gear Solid Five, um, and they're just kind of putting together this weird alternate universe wormhole zombie game. Um, but, you know, if that's your thing and you don't care about kind of the history behind it and, and the fact that they're trying to play it off as a Metal Gear game, um, because, I mean, they're obviously just trying to use the name to, uh, to to sell it, but if you don't care about all that, um, the gameplay is definitely worth looking at if that's something you're interested in. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. Just close your eyes and just imagine it being like a Walking Dead game or something. Well, a Walking Dead game where the zombies have uh, red dildos coming out of their face. That's, that's basically what? what they look like. Oh, oh yeah. Um, whatever screen what that was God. was timed right for the conversation. <laughs> That's the child aggro. Child aggro. <laughs> let, let me see if I... Um, okay, yeah. Okay, red dildos. Red dildos. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm linking it in the, the, the chat here, but uh, yeah, uh, it's it's something else. <laughs> Crystal get red dildos. Well, yeah, because, you know, fuck? that totally makes sense. Is that the mouth or a hand? A little bit of both, <laughs> a little bit of Oh, it's a head. Oh. Alright. I can't even tell what this is supposed to be. It's clearly a red dildo face zombie. Yeah, man, if if that's your thing. Yeah, okay, I got up on the Twitch now. But yeah, it's it's very weird. Like I said, the game the gameplay looks, you know, solid enough. I mean the like so the engine it's running on is, is is pretty good. It's just really weird how it's been done. I I almost kinda wish they would have 
maybe just use the engine and not call it a Metal Gear game or tried to make it tie in because it's it's completely ridiculous in my mind. But, you know, like I said, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so speaking of zombies, um, it looks like, and we talked about this in the past, that the Resident Evil 7 released a demo over at E3, and uh, Livy and I uh, played through it pretty extensively. Um, it was pretty good. The game looked really good. Um, I obviously don't have a VR headset that I can try the VR capability with, so I can't, can't comment on that. But um, apparently they have updated the demo, or they're releasing kind of a new version of the demo, um, that lets you kind of explore the house that the first demo took place in a little bit further and kind of look around and, and get some more background story. And they have also apparently improved the VR experience. It was making people a little nauseous the way they had it before, but apparently it's it's a lot better now. They've done something with how the camera works to make it a little less um, nausea-inducing. So that's that's definitely good to hear. I have not had a chance to try it out. I just noticed that uh, it's available. Um, I think it was available maybe... A couple days ago, or might be coming up soon, I forget. But regardless, if you're interested in Resident Evil 7, definitely keep your eye on the uh, the news feed for that one and, and check out the, the PSN store or the Xbox One store um, if you want to try out the new updated demo. Uh, so, what here? So, speaking of Kojima, um, back at E3, he released the very weird trailer for Death Strandings featuring a naked uh, Norman Reedus holding a baby um, surrounded by dead crabs on a tar beach. It um, wasn't creepy, it was art. Yeah, it's art in the way that <laughs> Kojima is a weirdo, but you kind of like him for it. Um, it's, it. It definitely had everyone going, yay, new Kojima game, but what the fuck is this shit? Why is there a Walking Dead star holding a baby? Um, okay. So, um, not a whole lot of new details coming out, but Kojima did get up and kind of talk about um, the game. It is apparently going to be an action game with some online elements. And I quote, he said that players will connect via what he's calling sticks, which are usable in combat, but they can also be connected via ropes. Um, and then showed a really weird little drawing he had of the four like main producers of the game holding hands connected by ropes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, I, it's probably partially Kojima being Kojima and partially him trolling you, which is what he does. Um, he loves to troll his fans, but yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's going to be an open world combat game where you, apparently you, you know, play with sticks and ropes with your buddies, um, in 4k resolution, <laughs> if you so choose. Um, so yeah, not, not a whole lot of details on that. Like, again, it's, it's kind of, um. Kind of, kind of closed up. Still, not a lot of uh, gameplay or anything like that. Just a very strange trailer. But it is kind of interesting to hear that it's going to be a uh, action game because um, back a while ago, if any of you heard about the whole PT thing that was available, which was this really, really creepy, weird horror kind of tech demo thing that they did, and then if you get to the proper true ending of the demo, you see a once again digital Norman Reedus walking down the street. Um, he looks over his shoulder and you kind of see that it's him. And then it says Silent Hill, um, a Hideo Kojima game. So they were going to make the next Silent Hill game. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, this this Death Strandings is is going to kind of kind of be a reboot of the Silent Hill project because that was canceled. But this might be you know just another horror game that's kind of a psychological thriller due to the really weird you know trailer. But to hear that it's an action game, it's like, oh, okay, well, I now have no idea what's going on with this. So. You know, we'll we'll have to see uh, what comes out moving forward on on what that's going to be all about. But it'll certainly be interesting at the very least uh, with Kojima involved. 
another trailer that came out um, was for Near Automata, which um, not a lot of people have played Near. It's kind of a weird cult classic. Um, it came out on the PS3, but the graphics were absolutely terrible, so a lot of people gave it a pass. But I actually did pick it up um, on recommendation of a friend at the time, and it was interesting to say the least. It was kind of a love letter to gaming in general, um, but very weird in a lot of ways. Like, it, it, for example, it's an action game. Like you might think of like Devil May Cry or Kingdom Hearts, where you're running around, you're swinging a sword, you know, you're you're fighting bad guys, but enemies would cast magic and the magic would be basically effectively a bullet hell game like you know those old like uh arcade bullet hells where you fly the little ship you have to dodge the slow moving projectiles but you'd be you know dodging weaving through these very slow moving magic orbs to get to the guy to you know kill him um at one point it actually switches over to a text-based game where you're making selections from a menu to um you know you know you see this this it describes like an old like text-based rpg game and you make decisions you have to pick the right choices to get to the right ending to clear the level um and it was strange in that once you completed the game it would send you back to halfway through the game and you would play it again but you'd it would be a little different because you would have the added perspective of another character um, and I won't spoil anything, but they could the, the, the added character could hear what the enemies were saying, which in the first playthrough was gibberish, but you could actually understand in English what they were saying. It would actually add a whole new context to the game, and you'd finish it, and you'd go back again to the middle of the game, and you'd play it through, and then there was two endings you could select from. Um, one of which would, if you selected that ending, it would actually delete your save file and everything related to it. It was actually story-related why it would do this. Um, but regardless, it was very unique and strange and wonderfully off awesome because it was awful. Like it was a really messed up game. Like it was very, very dark. Um, once you kinda got in and learned the secrets of what was going on. Um and the ending is, is not what I would consider necessarily a happy ending. Um, but again, it's 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 kinda weird how you look at it. But there is a new near game called Near Automata coming out, which takes place at some point in the far future following the events of the game Near. Um, which is interesting. If you've played Near, you would question why that's you know why that's happening. But regardless, um, it looks again very similar gameplay. It's got kind of that bullet hell mechanic with the magic. Um, I imagine we'll see a lot of the same stuff um, in one of the trailers. It switches to a side scroller platformer. Um, so a lot of the good stuff that I really liked in Near. The graphics are once again terrible for the console. It's on. It's on PS4. It looks like a PS3 game, but um, you know, it, clearly they aren't too concerned with um, visuals. They wanted to deliver a very unique experience. And, and from what I've seen so far um, with with Automata, I think it's going to be very similar to Nier, and, and that's definitely a good thing. Um, so they released a new trailer. Go check it out. Um, it's coming out in February 2nd, 2017 in Japan. No word on the North America release date yet, but uh, definitely keep your eye on that if you are interested in uh, the Nier series. Or if you want to go back, I, I actually highly suggest playing Nier, even though it's an old game, um, if you like a very unique and strange experience. But it is definitely worth your time if, if you're willing to kind of have an open mind about it and, and like a good um, a good story that's not always immediately apparent. If you want to work for it to kind of get the ins and outs of what's actually going on in the world, um, it's a game that you would probably really enjoy. Um, Moving along, so Battlefield 1, I guess they announced that the first map DLC will be free to all players. Um, 
I kind of find this strange, um, well, not strange, but just interesting that we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago about how DLC maps um, in a lot of games now are free because they don't want to segment their their player base. But um, I actually kind of want to get Bates' thoughts on this, that since they're offering a map for free, it stands to reason that they will then offer following maps for paid DLC. And do you think this is going to be a, a good or a bad thing, since I know you're kind of a, a Battlefield fan? I think it's worked in the past. Um... So I mean, yeah, that I, I think it's fine. I'd be curious to see what um, what the community thinks, though. Um, you know, getting this one map and then uh, and having to pay for the rest of the maps. I mean, eventually the maps will be free, but you know, I'm fine with it. When you say the maps will be free eventually, what do you mean by that? Well, normally is that standard? Um, they um, they make them free eventually. Oh yeah, sure. Um, like, uh, on Xbox, I've noticed, um, and maybe this is just me being on Xbox, um, but I've seen, um, both Battlefield and Battlefield Hardline have their map DLCs, um, be free if you're a, a gold subscriber, um, you'll, you'll get those DLCs for, for free at some point. At some okay. point. Call of Duty, not so much, though, I don't think. Well, I think that's, that's kind of the bread and butter when it comes to to producing revenue afterwards, but that's that's pretty cool that they they do offer for free for the for the gold players. I mean, I you tend to see things kind of go in that direction for PlayStation Plus as well. Um, but you know, honestly, while people gripe about it, I I think that it's it's actually a good deal to to kind of get that premium you know service for the consoles if if you're going to you know, play on a console. What uh what map is it? Is it the map that they showed during the alpha? Do you know? Do you know? You know, I'm not sure. I just saw that they're they're offering the first one for free. Um, I hope it's not the one in the alpha because that map was awful. I, no, I did not no, care for that no, one. Not the not, not the desert. Uh, the desert was the worst map in fucking multiplayer oh, okay. map history. Um, no, there was one in the alpha in the closed alpha. Um, oh, okay. you, you can go on YouTube and look at uh guys like I think his name is Jack Frags on YouTube that did a lot of Battlefield. Um, it was this. Big, uh, it's like I think it was some German town. Um, uh, lots of cover everywhere, and hills and trees and buildings and and what have you. And like instead of a train, there's a, a freaking uh, zeppelin that would fly over. You shoot the zeppelin down, this, that, and the other. But it was much right. better. Oh, okay, better should have been the best. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Remember that when they yeah. showed it at E3? They were they had the big yes. like sixty four yes. man battle. That one. Yeah, yes. that was that looked pretty yeah. cool. That looked pretty pretty legit map. Much better than stupid desert. Yeah, with the awful rush against the <laughs> impossible mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to oust sniper post. That Fucking was ridiculous. Sandstorms and shit too. Shit too. Uh, the sandstorm actually was great because I couldn't get sniped then. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> any other time, I was like, oh god, my head is exploding. I was diving behind every little pebble I could find, and crawling through the dirt to get past it. It was awful. I mean, probably realistic, but uh, yeah, I. <laughs> Just not having a good time on that one. It was like, okay, I got past the sniper. I come around the corner, there's a tank looking at me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, well, never mind. GG. I'm done with this game. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, Battlefield map first DLC is free. I mean, I can't complain about free stuff. Um, you know, it's it's you know, it's going to be. We've talked about it in the past, but see how it's going to play out in terms of how maps and DLCs and weapons and all kinds of stuff is going to work. So, you know, we'll see where the market goes. But obviously, there's still some people kind of hanging on to that uh, that model. So we'll we'll see what kind of wins in the end. Um, moving along, so uh, Square Enix has been releasing um, quite a few either ports or remakes to Final Fantasy games. Um, 
obviously Final Fantasy VII Remake is kind of a really big, true remake, but they've also been releasing a lot of HD versions of uh, of uh, older games. So Final Fantasy XII, which was probably not the most popular game ever, but it was um, I, I particularly liked it. Um, the, the combat reminded me a lot of Final Fantasy XI, which was the first online Final Fantasy, but this is obviously offline single player. But I, regardless, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and Square Enix is now releasing a uh, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age on the PS4. So it is an old PS2 game, and it was right at the end of the PS2 era. And was actually acclaimed for being really impressive that they were able to even pull off what they did on the PS2. Like, they really, really pushed the hardware. And a lot of the things that, you know, they, they did were thought impossible at the time because it was just it was so well um, well crafted. So it, it was it was definitely kind of the pinnacle of the PS2 era of, of Final Fantasy games, at least in, in terms of gameplay and graphics and whatnot. So they've updated it. They're putting... Um, it's not a remake. It is a HD remaster. So it's it's not like they redid all the models and stuff, but they are putting on the PS4, um, you know, better lighting, clearer textures, better output. You know, frame rate will be you know locked at a super high level. Um, but what's what's interesting about it is that it is the Zodiac version of the game. And when the game released in in America, most people played you know Final Fantasy XII. But the international version um, was a little different in that. The way that the characters progressed and how they were set up was significantly different. Um, it was, I'll say, more restrictive in the fact that you were kind of pushed into certain classes, but then it allowed you to kind of focus fire those classes. And it played a bit more like a traditional class-based Final Fantasy game, whereas the U.S. version, you could pretty much make your character be whatever you wanted. Um, they kind of lacked personality in, in the combat because you could turn them into more or less anything. It was a lot like Final Fantasy VIII, which I also really liked, but again, the characters were really homogenized, and I, I, I'm actually really looking forward to kind of trying out the international version. I never got a chance to give a shot because it was you know, international, and I was like 13 at the time, and I didn't know what you could import games and stuff. I just went to GameStop and bought it, you know? So having the HD remake, um, I'll definitely pick this one up. Um, I, I know that Libby actually was a, a fan of, of this one as well, if, if she's not being aggroed by a child right now. I was for a second. Which yeah. game? Final Fantasy twelve. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it, it. had a lot of a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. Um, but again, you know, why not at this point? I, I like to try the new system. I, I enjoyed it enough for me to pick it up. So, you know, I'd I, like I, I it, think it would be good. Yeah, I'd like it if they changed. I don't know it, if they changed how everything worked. It would be perfect. It wasn't one of my most favorite ones. They could get rid of a couple couple characters, but. Uh, <laughs> What, you don't like bunny girls in heels that apparently are genetically deformed to a point where they have to wear heels? That was the official explanation? Oh no, I digged her. She was great. But the other one, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, talking about. oh Pinello? The Titus. Childhood friend. I think he was a mistake. He was a mistake. Well, that game was weird in that you can't really pin down who the main character is. None of them really stand out enough that you think, okay, that's that's the main character. They're all kind of this iffy, like, well, they're important in their own way, but not really overall. Like, wasn't it supposed to be a lot about, of about beer at one time, and then like, well, he is like, the leading man. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, there, there's there's a a character who introduces himself um, when you first meet him. He goes, well. I'm the leading man of the of the story, you know. And then at the end, um, no spoilers, of course, but he 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 says, you know, well, of course I have to survive. I'm the leading man. And his friend goes, eh, you're more like a support character. And he's like, come on, please, <laughs> like, come on, give me this one. 
Um, but yeah, he was actually my favorite character just because he's such a, a snarky ass. But uh, you know, to each his own on, on characters that could have could have gone or stayed. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age. Uh, no exact release date on that. There is a new trailer out. It looks it looks really good. I mean, again, it's a it's a PS2 game that's been remastered for PS4, so it's gonna look like a PS2 game that's running really really well and, and really clean um, cleanly. But uh, you know, if, if you if you liked the game, um, particularly if you you know haven't had a chance to try the international edition, um, it's probably worth picking up. No release date, but it's coming out in 2017. Uh, another thing. So there is a new CGI Resident Evil movie. I'm not talking about the live action movies because those don't exist. They're all terrible. Um, and they're non-canon, but there's a new CGI movie that's coming out. Um, no really hard details, but there are a few screenshots floating around out there. Uh, what people are hoping for, and I actually agree, is that when Resident Evil Degeneration came out, which is the other CGI movie, um, it was actually really, really good. Um, I, I, it was much, much better than you know the, the live-action ones, and it, it did tie in with the story to a point where it actually kind of explains why the events of Resident Evil 5 happened. So this this came out and kind of provided a tie-in, like, okay, yeah, so this, this, this happened, and this is how this company got this sample, and that's why five makes sense. And it was like, okay, I'll buy that. It was it was good. Um, and hopefully that this new one will actually provide a tie-in with Resident Evil 7 coming out. And it supposedly follows kind of the events surrounding Resident Evil 1. But um, since 7, at least what we've seen in the demo, doesn't really have zombies, so to speak. It's mostly like really terrifying like Louisiana Hicks. Um, people were kind of wondering, like, is this really a Resident Evil game if they're not zombies? Uh, so hopefully that movie kind of provides some clarity to how this all ties together. And if they can link like Resident Evil 1 to 7 and kind of bring it full circle, that would actually be pretty badass. So um, I am looking forward to that uh, whenever it comes out. Again, it's just kind of some debut information coming out of TGS. So it, it's not you know nothing too concrete right now on, on when it's going to happen or exactly what it's about, just that it's surrounding the first game. But overall, I think it, it, it should hopefully be promising if it's being done by the same group that did the uh, Degeneration movie. So <laughs> another one that I'm not too uh, terribly interested in, but uh, Destiny Rise of Iron Expansion is coming out in two days on the 20th. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to rant about this one, but uh, looking at what they're releasing, it's like, well, it's more of the same content. Yay. Um, not really fixing any of the core elements that I have. I take issue with. So, um, you know, it's it's worth mentioning that if you are a Destiny fan, I'm sure you already know, you know, because you're chomping at the bit. But for me, it's uh, I'm not too too excited for uh, for this one. Is anyone else planning on picking this up? Uh, the Rise of Iron expansion. Cricket. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I figured. I mean, yeah, I've I've expressed. I don't. My I don't I have like, a machine that have... can play that game. You don't want to play that game, Zell. You would be I don't. with that's it. That's true. Like it, it's. Destiny ruined my expectations of hyped games. Like I'm like, oh, so this is what happens when it it totally explodes and goes downhill when you release a game that is terrible. I mean, they they made some progress with the whole Destiny 2.0 and then the Taken King. Like that was a good step in the right direction, but I feel like they haven't maintained that momentum of going in the right direction. They're just kind of like, uh, well, we're just gonna you know push out this expansion and then bide our time until Destiny 2, which Hopefully, is like they get rid of eighty percent of it and start over with the part they got rid of because a lot of stuff is really wrong with that game. Um, so I'm I'm looking 
not looking forward, but I'm looking out for whatever they come up with for Destiny 2. But for Rise of Iron, I'm going to pass on this one. It's it's just not, it, it doesn't bring enough to the table for me to be compelled to start playing the game again, because I haven't played Destiny in six months, probably. Kind of sad, though. I mean, expected more from Bungie. Because, you know, yeah, the, the, the Halos that they made were fantastic, you know. But, obviously, Destiny, not so much. Well, the frustration is that, one, lack of content, and they suffer from a lot of internal turmoil during production, which I think didn't help. I mean, I've heard the rumor that the original game was supposed to include Destiny, Taken King, and one of the DLCs, which would have been a solid amount of content. I would have been satisfied with that. Um, but I think a lot of internal restructuring and starting over with like the story and stuff because they fired a bunch of people or they walked out. I forget what it was, but I think they just they kind of you know fell apart internally and they, they had to push out what they had, which was not a well crafted project. And I think their lack of experience is really showing in trying to produce a game like this. It just it just mm-hmm. wasn't there. You can tell that there's a lot of things that they just didn't quite get right. Um, Especially with other examples they could have easily drawn from, and they chose not to because they were trying to be unique, which I'll applaud. It's fine, but um, in a lot of discussions I have with people regarding you know innovation and gaming, you have to produce a game with stuff you know works, and then you innovate on top of that. You, you can't try to innovate or be different on everything at once or or the majority at once because if it flops, it's going to flop really hard. You have nothing to fall back on. Um, and I think that's where Destiny really fell short, is that even if they weren't innovating, just trying to do things so differently than a lot of other games, it just, it really did not do them any favors, and they've yet to really truly rectify that. They've made improvements, but, you know, again, I think it's going to take, like, a whole new game like Destiny 2 to actually provide that level of change, because I can understand, there's only so much you can do in expansions and updates, but... You know, if you have to kind of start over from a from a new a new plan a new a new game entirely, it gives you that opportunity to kind of you know roll back a lot of stuff and really look at a lot of core elements rather than just trying to modify what you currently have. And they may or they may not do that. Um, my my opinion of the of the franchise will sway entirely on on how well they do with Destiny Two and, and what they what kind of changes they make. Because if they don't change much, I'm out. You know, I'm I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce. You know, I've already detach myself from what they have so far um, because it, it failed to maintain my interest and if they can't make the kinds of changes they need to to, to bring my interest back it's there's no reason for me to come back to it yeah i can totally see your point i'm going to preface what i'm about to say with i've never played destiny but from everything i've seen it looks like it, it, it as far as building upon stuff that they know works it looks like it it the shooting aspect, at least, it looks like it shoots and plays, you know, like a Halo game does. Um, Absolutely. Which, I mean, obviously, I think is something that is good. I mean, people, you know, speak very highly of of the Halo franchise and the way that it uh, it plays from a from a shooting perspective, right? Um, and like I said, you know, just a second ago, from everything I've seen, it looks like Bungie really did get that part down. But obviously, as far as everything else kind of fell flat and yeah the moment to moment gameplay is yeah great. okay okay i was about to say uh, i hope i wasn't wrong in saying that no you're you're, you're spot on like the moment to moment gameplay is it's very smooth it looks great it feels really good um it, it's it's floaty but that's kind of the style of game and that's fine you know it, it still it still handles extremely well but you can tell that they're um the way they handled the overall structure of the game 
the way loot works, the way end game content works. Um, it, it just wasn't there. And it, it, their lack of experience showed. I mean, I'm sure they, they, they worked their asses off and, and thought they were doing a really great job, but it just, it, it, it does definitely fall flat. And I'd like them to be able to take that really solid shooter experience and put it in a, in a case that actually, you know, put, put it in a game that actually properly you know, it is worthy of, of the level of moment-to-moment uh, gameplay because the rest of it is just feels really, really disjointed and, and lack of duty, lack of planning and lack of content. Um, it, it's not befitting of, of the quality of, of moment-to-moment gameplay that it actually does offer because Destiny is fun. It's just difficult to keep yourself playing, at least in my opinion, to keep, you know, every day logging into play because it doesn't offer a reason to. It just, it feels good when you do it, but if I don't want to get on to play, then it's it's kind of a moot point. So hopefully they improve that. Um, I don't see that happening in Rise of Iron. So if you're not, you know, I, I see nothing in there to bring you back if you're currently not playing because of, of similar um, issues. But if you're, if you're enjoying yourself, you know, obviously it's going to be probably more of the same, which if you're having fun, then go for it. I think it's probably worth the money. Um, okay, so this is kind of actually along similar lines because I I feel that a lot of the anxiety towards destiny also transferred towards people's anxiety towards the game the division um and i'll agree i, I was very very cautious of division um when i because of destiny and so i picked it up i did not buy the season pass like i did with destiny and i'm, I'm kind of glad i didn't because um again a lot of the issues in the core level like the momentum of gameplay was pretty solid story mode was pretty solid but lack of content um end game felt disjointed loot system did not feel very good um you know, it, it's just it had a lot of issues, and, and they've made attempts to improve it, um, and it's kind of helped, but not really. But they've actually, in Division, have pushed back their DLC schedule significantly um, to focus on like the 1.4 update, which is apparently going to overhaul a lot of stuff, and, and the details coming out are, are actually pretty extensive. And I, I know we commented on this before. But they basically did kind of a CPM, if you're familiar with, with Dust Lingo, or CSM, if you're an ETH player, um, for Division, where they, they you could sign up for uh, a position where they would fly you out to Sweden to their headquarters to basically sit a bunch of players down and talk about the game and what can we do to improve it. Um, and so this is obviously, this has happened now, and this has passed, so now they've released kind of their plan uh, to improve the overall you know, structure of the game and, and fix a lot of the issues that it's having, at least in terms of overall um, kind of end game and, and how it actually plays out. So um, I've kind of dubbed it the Division Diablo edition because they are structuring a lot of the stuff after um, Diablo 3, which is not a bad thing. I've I've commented um, before about my my love for Diablo 3 and, and how I think they get a lot of stuff really 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 well done um and i wish more games would would kind of take after that model and like like i said before to base your system off of a base your model off the system that works and then innovate on top of that and i think they're they're kind of trying to go that direction with vision now so um if you're familiar with diablo basically it sounds like there is going to be effectively torment levels where like torment levels you know one through six like in diablo um but it's called world tier and basically what happens is that you can set the tier of the world of division on what you want to play in. So you go into the game and it goes like, select your tier. And that basically sets the difficulty of the enemies in the world and also raises the um, item level of stuff that drops to that tier. So basically how it works is you're going to basically go through and, and you play and you play and you, you fight enemies until you get good enough gear and then you go, okay, I'm going to bump the tier up. And okay, now I can do the next tier. 
then you play and play. And it is the Diablo grind. I mean, if you don't like grindy games, if you don't like Diablo, you're probably not going to like how the system works. But if that system works for you, it's going to be really similar to that, where you're kind of working your way up the tiers until you get to the top tier. And I imagine as future expansions continue on, they'll do the same thing, where they're going to have more and more tiers as you work your way up. And I think that's fine. I enjoy that in Diablo. I mean, uh, Diablo does get does get a little slow after a while, and then you you do kind of walk away from it and come back later. But it works. You know, it, it allows you to have this constant goal. You're kind of working yourself towards, and you aren't so reliant on RNG drops to get the next best item that you know, is going to hike you way up. It's it's more of a gradual gear progression, which is one thing that they're really emphasizing is that the difficulty of the game. And the way the gear progressed was way too um, staggered. Like, you go through a normal mode, story mode. Okay, this is easy. It's just here for the story. That's fine. Hard mode. Okay, it's a little more challenging. You know, you, you want end game content for this, um, like level 30 stuff. Um, and you, you can get through it. It's a challenge. And then you get to challenge mode, and you get your face absolutely kicked in. Because to get challenge mode grade gear so you can actually do challenge mode you have to do challenge mode. So basically you're forced to go in with level 30 gear that's like, you know, early, early end game and really pray to God that you can make it through these missions. I mean, I know that Dante and Livy and a friend of ours would do these challenge missions and it would be like, we're cowering and running down staircases and throwing grenades and then cowering, hoping they slows them down long enough so we can kind of slowly pick away at them as we kite them through the building. Like there's challenging and then there's, there's no way you can do this reasonably with the gear you're given. And because it's so reliant on RNG to get the drop to level up to get better gear, it was really frustrating. Because if you didn't get good gear right away or soon after, you were stuck basically bashing your face against a brick wall for a really long time trying to get you know, up to the point where you can actually complete the content in a reasonable manner. And so if they can ramp that up a little more gradually and give you the options to work within the tier because they're, they're keeping the difficulty levels and that's fine. They've got a normal hard challenge and heroic and those will exist within the world tier. So you've now got multiple tiers and you can slowly work your way up the difficulty levels within the tier. And then once you kind of have mastered the heroic difficulty of one tier, you can bump yourself up. So they're giving you more benchmarks to work off of, to kind of build your way up slowly rather than this nasty, massive, nasty, um, jump where you're, you're hoping to get the drop so you can actually complete the content reasonably so that's that's really good um so the tier system's good the the ramping up is good they're bringing back roaming packs which i think is really great um they had a big issue where they would have boss mobs with kind of a group of ads and they'd wander around the city and and you would you know fight them and, and the boss had a chance to drop a really good item the issue was that people would find ways to basically farm the hell out of the bosses to get them to drop multiple iterations of the weapon to hopefully get the proc where you get the really, really good mix of stats um, so you can go dominate the dark zone. And so they removed them <laughs> instead of fixing them. They just took them out and said, nope, no more roaming ads because, no more roaming bosses because, you know, you're farming it. Well, what they've done now is that they've, they're bringing those back and they've changed it such that everything in the game has a chance to drop high-level gear. But the chances are higher when you are fighting, you know, enemies that are of a higher grade. So, I mean, you could, you know, kill a grunt at level one and potentially get a super high level item. Okay, but that's probably not going to happen, but it is the option. Or you can go out and, and hunt, you know, these these higher level ones and, and actually get, you know, better chances of high level gear. So you're not 
as encouraged to farm because, I mean, you're always encouraged to farm because you want the highest rate, but the chance of you getting a drop organically through normal gameplay is much higher because anything can drop the thing you're looking for. So, you know, again, this kind of has like a Diablo feel to it where, you know, grunt enemies can drop legendaries. It's not likely to happen, but it happens from time to time where you'll kill a nothing enemy and, you know, the big glowing orange beam of legendary awesomeness pops out. So, again, they're drawing heavily from Diablo. I think this is a good thing. Um, as far as time to kill, another big issue, and Jay has actually talked about this a lot too, you got a guy with a hoodie in endgame, but you literally have to put like 600 bolts into his face before he goes down because high-level enemies have so much HP and they'll basically drop you in you know, two shots. Like you have that really nasty Destiny-like scaling where it's like, we're going to make content harder by giving the enemies lots of HP and making them deal a lot of damage. And again, it leads to really kind of lame tactics where you're running for your life and you're not really playing it like the game is probably intended to be played because the stat difference is so absurd. So they're going to go through, and I guess they're lowering the time to kill on a lot of enemies. Um, I hope they can find some ways to increase the difficulty without it being more damage, more HP. You know, make the AI smarter, make there be more enemies, make it be you know modifiers where you have to fight around terrain or deal with certain status effects, stuff like that, rather than just more damage because that's that's not fun. Um, I mean, especially in some of the incursions, it's just like, come on, this is ridiculous. Where you're cowering behind you know cover forever and, and having to use really unbalanced levels of, of gear and stuff to push your your character in a certain direction. I mean, if you talk to people who play Division, they'll say that like smart cover and pulse with crit hit chance are basically the only two skills that matter for, for DPS because you can't survive without them in most cases because they 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 buff your, your attack and defense by so much. It's the only way to compensate for the absurdly high enemy HP and damage output. And that kind of makes it boring because you got all these other cool skills like a little tracer mine and, and all kinds of stuff that are effectively useless because if you're using that, you're basically giving yourself so severely in another area that it is, it's, it's just, it's not fun because you, you have to use these skills to really be, um, to really be effective in, in a PVE setting. Um, and so again, that that's that's really good. And I mean, all of these things sound great, but again, the devil's in the details on this. Um, I will believe it when I actually get in and try it. I will give it a shot because this all sounds really good. And I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt in this case to go. Okay, let's see how it actually plays. Um, and it may be really good, and that may bring me back to playing the division because I I did enjoy the game. It's just the end game became not very fun after a while um just from all the issues i listed before but you know i'll, I'll give them a shot on this one because it does sound like they're actually taking this in a really good direction and I, I think it will do well um on top of that they are adding for pc players only i believe um effectively a test server where they are going to roll out these out these updates and further updates on this test server and players can log in and give them a shot and give proper feedback rather than them developing behind closed doors and just pushing it out and having it be a total mess. Because, I mean, Division's been wrought with nasty glitches and a lot of balancing issues. And so, again, really great to see that they're actually pushing for a test server. I mean, we see this to great effect worked very well in EVE. Um, I wish more developers did it. It's kind of hard to do on console, so I can kind of understand why they're doing it on PC. But, um, again, really good stuff. Yeah, all those problems um, are, you know, it's one of the reasons that I uninstalled the division um just hearing so many negative things about uh the the end game you know it really didn't it, hearing those made me not want to get to the end so i just i stopped at maybe level 
twenty ish, um, and and just said, okay, I'll wait until until they fix it. So I definitely will be downloading it or reinstalling it again um, when uh, patch one point four comes out. Um, I don't think there's a release date on it, is there? I don't think quite yet. I think that okay. they just got okay. the feedback from that you know uh, task force. I think they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of their plan, but they haven't really um, developed it yet, which is understandable. I think it just happened like a week or two ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no release date, but definitely worth keeping your eye on. I'll, I'll hold out and, and give it a shot once that comes out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The the time to kill numbers also. Um, there's a graph on. There's a, a blog about it. Um, uh, those numbers or the the graph at least they didn't associate any numbers um, with it, but it looks like it's a lot better. Um, the pre um, or the post one point four uh, time to kill numbers um, look to be a anywhere between twenty five and and maybe seventy five percent quicker uh, as far as killing enemies um, than they were. Or than they are with the current uh, 1.3 version. Yeah, I mean that's that's really good to hear because I mean it's not fun to sit there and look at a guy in a hooded sweatshirt with a pistol and you're unloading literally 500 LMG rounds into his chest mm-hmm. before he dies. Mm-hmm. Like it, I'm not asking for ultimate realism. I mean, we all know that shooters, a, a lot of shooters, don't have realism in, in actual time to kill. Like if it takes like even in dust, you know, it took a lot of bolts to put a guy down. I'm not asking for like you know um, Rainbow Six Siege levels of realism, where like one or two bullets and you're dead. But it was a little ridiculous in, in how much HP these guys had, and it didn't feel good. You know, it, it didn't feel like I had any power behind my guns. I just had to hold the trigger down and and you know keep shooting until I took too much damage. I had to you know run for cover because I'm getting completely you know my my butt kicked by this ridiculously high high level enemy. Mm-hmm. The worst was coming out of a safe, uh, safe house in the dark zone, and with a submachine oh, gun and show. being assaulted by like six dudes that were four or five levels higher than you, and just and because camping. you're in combat, you camping. can't go back inside now. So yep. you're just sitting there and yep. running for your life or dying very quickly. Or you're sitting up at the window exit, taking cover and throwing grenades down. That was always fun. That was always fun. Yeah, I mean, it. it I don't like it when a leveling or a scaling mechanic completely botches the way the game is supposed to be played like you the way you play division at level one is totally different than the way you play at high level because of that scaling problem where it just it doesn't feel the same because like i said the story mode feels really good you feel like okay i'm ducking behind cover and advancing and this is all neat and stuff and then pretty soon you can't play like that anymore and i mean yeah you want to become a better player throughout the gameplay but when you're completely changing how you have to play it it's, it's just not as fun Thankfully, okay, though, so, I don't. No, I don't. Thankfully, oh, I don't ahead. think it needs. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't need a second game, like I think Destiny will. I, I think that the direction they're taking it, they could improve it greatly. I, I have not purchased the season pass. And I have not played Underground yet, so um, I, I can't comment on, on how good that is. Um, it, it seemed good in theory, um, but again, there were so many issues with the loot and the end game that. It wasn't worth me buying it just to go in and go, well, this is cool, but I still don't like the game because of all these problems they haven't fixed yet. Um, so I, I think it's doable. I, I think they, they are in a better position than they are with uh, Destiny. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll have to give it a fair shot and, you know, get my opinion on it when that comes out. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, again, taking it very cautiously because this has been pretty bad um, up until this point. Okay, so, again, I, I proposed a topic um, 
or question rather at the beginning of the show and, and we'll do this this last bit before we go into shout outs but um hopefully you guys have kind of thought about it and so again one of the main criticisms uh, of project nova at the the tech demo was well what makes this unique you know it, it's just a, a really well playing fps what what makes it new eden and someone on the forums post you know what what makes a game new eden so i kind of want to get your guys' thoughts um and we'll start with with um Bate, if that's okay on what elements you think nova needs or just in general to make it feel distinctly new eden it feels like it's actually part of the kind of gameplay experience you would get from like Eve online so what are your thoughts man you know honestly and this is something i've been chewing on uh ever since i started playing dust and I've dabbled in Eve um, online a bit. For some reason, both Eve and Dust are some of the most social games that I've ever played. Um, I I would go as far as to say that they're one of the most social games that that that's ever been you know released. And and Eve I can kind of understand, but for Dust I have no idea what made that game so goddamn social. And I think that that's something that's very distinctly new, Eden. You know, being in, being able to interact with, um, you know, with all kinds of people doing all kinds of jobs um, in Eve. You know, being able to interact with miners or station traders or uh, pirates or this, that, and the other, all in in one place, and then all throughout the world. Uh, obviously, is just it. It's new, Eden. I mean, it's just what it is. Okay, that's pretty fair. Um, I think obviously the social aspect is obviously a, a very, very critical part. I mean, it, it definitely is a distinctive difference that you see in, in, in the other game, but certainly in the FPS for that example. I mean, I, I, while you have, you know, support for clans and stuff like in Battlefield or Call of Duty, um, it didn't ever really take off like, like Dust. It, it definitely had a very, very unique approach to how it was done. Um, I think a lot of the tools that were provided to make it, you know, feel social um were good and i think that the nature of the game certainly made it um almost a necessity to to really actually group up and and be social um and discuss and be toxic and you know all the good horrible stuff we we like about the community um but it it was almost necessary to really get the true experience out of the game i mean you can play dust solo but it was it was pretty pretty terrible i mean it's it wasn't fun by yourself it's the same when you play eve play eve alone you can do it. I mean, you can. I did it for a while. You can do run your missions and mine your rocks and process your stuff and build your ships and sell it and make the isk. But in the end, that gets boring pretty quick. Um, and it's it's a matter of of being able to actually communicate with people and, and share your experiences and do all the kinds of crazy shit that you see happen um, because you've you know got your buddies out there and you're you're doing weird stuff. So I think that's that's actually very very important. A very good point. All right, Zell, you're up, man. What do you think makes a game very New Eden? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is that players need to be in control of that environment that they're playing in. And I don't think... I think Dust didn't have quite enough tools for this, but there was um, there was a lot of people who came from the EVE universe who were trying to create it in every way they could. You know, people were like, how do I... How do I figure out how this new mechanic can let me scam someone? Because scamming is fun, and that's what we do in EVE. And and I think that that's a big part of it, in the fact that you knew who these different corps were, and, you know, some of them had backing in EVE, and people wanted to know, well, you know, what's this corp doing because they're connected to this corp, and this and that. And we really have to be the masters of that universe, because CCP's never going to create enough content to keep us entertained. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's always been the defining factor for 
longevity of the game is that player interaction generates content. I mean, Eve provides you know decent content, Dust provided even less, but the stuff that people did with it is what made it interesting. I mean, you had all kind. I mean, the, the meta. I mean, what it comes down to really is what you're saying is the meta. The meta dictates what makes the game New Eden, and the meta can't exist unless players have control over what they're doing, absolutely. and they aren't absolutely. too sandwiched in. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree with that one. I think that's that's very important. Um, that is why even survived for so long. Um, if Dust hadn't suffered from so many issues, I think it would have survived for a fair, a, quite a bit longer as well. Um, if it hadn't been on a, on a dying system in, from the start and, and all that. But uh, I think that that is also key, that, that players have control I mean, within I mean, reasonable limitations, but they need to have the ability to make things happen that are interesting. I mean, you look at it now, and we still have an active community on the forums without a game to play, you know? Yeah, it's, no, that, I mean, that is the, the lasting you know part of this game is there's you know and heck we're a podcast and there's no game that our podcast is about anymore and we're still talking because <laughs> we like what we've you know we've started and i think it's the same with the dust forums you know there's this community here and it doesn't it doesn't even matter that there's this gameplay framework that it's there and people talk about it if it's it well if it's there right now it's not but the the actual day-to-day mechanics of eve fall fall under the you know the player creations that form over it it's a way to bring people in but then you become part of something greater um and and i think that's what has to be focused on yeah absolutely i think that's that's incredibly important i mean for me and this kind of actually ties in with i mean yours is actually very similar to Bates in that the community is, is essential and i mean for for me it's the same way as that Eve feels big, and I've commented before when I ranted about No Man's Sky that Eve in itself is not very big. I mean, it's it takes up a lot of space, but there's not much to do in it that the game generates. Um, but because of the persistency of what people do, specifically what they do together, big megacorps and all kinds of stuff like that, it, it gives a sense of scale. And because it's lasting, you can look at this universe and go, wow, there is a crap load of stuff going on out there. And I could go to any corner of this world, and the game isn't necessarily producing the content for me to go look at. I mean, in the end, it's all fairly repetitive. You've got the same PvE missions, you're mining the same rocks, it's whatever. But there's so much going on in the community that they've built in this world that it is essential that you really allow that to, to flourish because that scale, that persistency, that's what makes it feel awe-inspiring. When you come into Eve and you go, yeah, there's this many this many uh, systems, and that's, that's a tagline. That's that's the 18 quintillion planets line. So that's what draws <laughs> them in. Um, <laughs> but once they get in there, and I always tell people when they leave, I go, try the trial of Eve, it's fine. Or now it's Alpha Clone, but get in there, join a corp. It doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's a shitty ass corp you find, get out of the NPC corp and start playing with people. Because that's how you get introduced to all the kinds of things that are going on. And you start to realize real quick that holy crap, there is a lot of stuff to do. Um, maybe not game generated content, but there's places to go, people to talk to, wars to wage, that sort of stuff. And that's that's really important that you you give players the opportunity to create that world within the confines of, of the universe you've created. And I think that Dust failed that in some ways because it was so limited, but Eve certainly excels at it, and it's, it's helped it propel it along for as long as it has. I think if they can take that idea and apply it to the context of 
I mean, it'll probably be Nova will probably be a lobby shooter regardless. I mean, that's that's just I, I don't have any thoughts of Planet Side two level stuff here where it's this big endless battle. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Bertotti wants that, and I think that's okay. But you need to allow what happens there to be part of that universe where it, it generates you know content to, to to look at moving forward. Um, I think so- I think the thing that you mentioned with regards to. Um- you know, the the scale sense that you get from all the things going on around it. I think that's a big part of why um, CCP's moved in the, the terms of their uh, their cinematics people, actually, are, are heavily involved in um, what, what they call the scope, which is kind of a, you know, produced video news thing about um, player events, really, is they're, they're creating, you know, they're kind of becoming broadcasters of what, what other people are doing in the game. I think also it's yeah. the the economy really um is special it's unique to to both eve and us the ability to you know make something with your space rocks and uh and then sell it to somebody for you know whatever price is really good yeah i mean the economy in of itself is its own meta you know, i mean there's mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff you can do with just that alone i mean that that in itself can be when you have people that are professional traders I mean that's that's pretty cool when you can I mean you can sell some of that you can come here and yeah it's a space simulator but you can be a freaking trader you can be a I mean effectively a stockbroker you can transport stuff I mean you can be a miner you can build stuff and I mean the, the game gives you the options to do that but the the players are what what really you know make it possible to actually do it because it's profitable a big part of it is the lack of restriction in that system that they actually let it breathe like a real economy does. And then, I mean, and it leads to problems that they try and deal with. For example, that people complain when the price of Plex gets too high and people are, you know, at risk of not being able to, you know, pay for their subscription if if the price goes up. But the thing is, is you you look at other games and the problem is that other games have this, um, you know, they try and control it too much. So, you know, even like, so Black Desert's actually really tried to be like this open sandbox economy game, but there are so many items that cannot be you can't direct trade a lot of items um only some items can be sold there's you know for example wow always was you know was it was always that soul binding mechanic that once you equip an item it's it's yours and and you can't you know resell it and and um black desert also really heavily has like maximum minimums you can list things for and that's something that eve just doesn't do if it's a thing you've got you can sell it or trade it to someone else yeah, I mean, the, the freedom is definitely incredibly important to allow what you were talking about, the ability to, to you know, create the meta and whatnot. If you restrict it too much, it, I mean, restrictions are necessary in games. I mean, that's, that's obvious that you, you have to prevent people from doing certain things because it is game-breaking. But I think that the, the balance of freedom has really allowed Eve to, to flourish. And, and I think that, you know, that's, that is very important for any future games based in that universe because that is, quite frankly, fairly unique. I mean, you don't see... The level of economy um, in other games that Forbes will actually write articles about because it's it's actually quite interesting. I mean, I believe the CCP actually has um, an economist on staff. Is that correct? I don't know if they have one currently because their uh, their more infamous economist uh, got a job at a college or university or something like that. Or not here, something gotcha. Like that. Okay, but at one point they they definitely did you know have a, an actual you know accredited economists working for them yes. to, to kind yes. of look at the economy and, and keep an eye out to make sure it was working properly. Um, 
so that they have to step in and, and make changes. I mean, that's that's the kind of level of stuff you see here, where you actually have a real organic economy forming around basically pure capitalism, more or less, what's going on in, in EVE, and that's, that's very interesting. Or space communism. Or space communism, which, you know, I'm a big fan of. I, I like 100% tax rates. That's That's a good thing for me. Okay, um, so I'm going to read, um, and you can look at the form on, on the forms in, in general discussion, but I'm going to read what Rotati said, and he actually posted, because he showed up in our chats, um, I think it was in the Discord chat, but he showed up on, in one of our chats and, and was kind of talking to people about it. But this no, he was on Skype. No, he was on Skype. Nobody, cares, Skype? About Discord. Okay. Nobody cares about Discord. Actually, he wasn't. Okay. Um, so his, his bullet points are um, eternal. Death is just a means to an end, persistent character progression through the infomorph and clone interaction. Uh, epic, and that the world does not revolve around you, you are a tiny forgettable speck. Um, a dystopian galaxy at perpetual war. Uh, real, endless character, lore, and backstory, names have meaning, references are real. Self, ownership, you own your stuff, your story, your progression, collective ownership and achievements. And choices, again, progression, friends, foes, factions, allegiances, uh, playstyle, strategy, and tactics. And so... I kind of get from that that he, in those points he laid out, I think that most of what we said is actually kind of part of what, what he's is stating in his post there. And I think that that's, that's a good thing. Um, I know that was a lot of concern that people were like, oh, well, they're just going to get rid of all of this stuff. And, you know, he has actually commented in, in chat before saying, you know, we, we understand why wouldn't we want these things? We wouldn't be making a new Eden game if we didn't care about that. And so it's, it's good to see kind of a glimpse of, of his thoughts on, on what, you know, it, it's it's supposed to be like, and I think that is actually fairly in line with um, what the players actually want. And in the, in the response to the thread has been fairly positive. So, you know, that's that's definitely a good thing to see. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Do you think that he's got the right idea? I mean, do you think this is going to go in a good direction? I really like the extra one that this, another user added, so, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I did forget that one. Um, so, uh, okay. So, Lightning 35, Delta 514. Um, he did correct Rotati's post and say that the final bullet point is in fact quaif, purple, purple life-giving substance, delicious and bubbly, also available in which is true. That is that is probably the most important factor um, in making a game distinctively new Eden is that it must have lots of quaif in it, with preferably very glossy purple and green paint jobs on everything. But yeah, I think that's that that's definitely worth discussion. Again, get on the forums and, and talk about it. We we still have a form. <laughs> it's it, people get on there and like to beg to, to turn it's the dust just forms the form. back. It's, it's the, just the form. Just the form. If you actually go to to, to dust514.com, it redirects directly to the form. There is no website anymore. But uh, instead of getting on there and begging and pleading and bargaining for them to turn the PS3 servers back on. This is the kind of discussion that they, they want to see, is, is your thoughts on where development needs to focus and what you think is important and that sort of thing. Um, so less pleading, more just, you know, constructive conversation. I think that would probably be uh, for the best overall to, to kind of help make sure that we make sure, you know, show the devs that they're going to do what they want, but this is what we think is important and hopefully you know, that resonates and, and you know, shows that either they're going in the right direction or they might need to reconsider and, and kind of tweak things a bit to, to go in a way that we think is important. So, no, I, I do encourage you to get on there. Go ahead. I will say the one thing that um, I think maybe Ritati missed is, uh, you know, there's, there's a point there where he, he says that, you know, it's this huge epic universe, you're just an insignificant spec. And and I definitely think that's part of it. But I think uh, one of the things that's probably the most fundamental to Eve, and you did see certain people try, trying for this in, in, in Dust, is that 
you you start as this insignificant spec, but you see, but the fact is, the people who aren't insignificant specs are other people, are other players too, just like you. And so, while you may start this game as an insignificant spec, you can become something much greater. You know, there's there's people, you know, especially early in Dust, who are trying. You know, they were absolutely trying to position themselves as like, you know, the Matani of Dust. You know, they wanted to be the guy everybody knows about in this game. And that's a thing that I don't think you, you don't see that in other games, uh, you know, or other FPSs, especially you don't, you know, there aren't those central player figures in, in just so many of these games. No, that is actually a very good point that, you know, there are the kingpins of the community, which means they're the kingpins of the game because the community drives the game. So the fact that they're no one special, they aren't hired by CCP. They're not, some special, you know, they paid to get into this thing. That's someone who started off exactly like anyone else and worked their way up to be, you know, who they are in the game and the community. And, and that is attainable if, you know, whatever happens, you know, you, you could potentially become someone like that. And I think that that level of infamy or, you know, fame, depending on what kind of character you play, um, is is appealing to a lot of people, and that that also is very important. And I, I think that it, it's possible as long as the other, these other things are fulfilled and and the player control is where it needs to be, that the meta will allow for those kinds of characters to spring up and and actually take a prominent role in the game and the community. All right, guys. Well, I think we've been going pretty long here. It's a good long show. I've been. <laughs> I apologize if I've been, you know, uh, kind of rambling on here. I, I didn't mean to, to cut anyone off or, or not allow anyone to say what they want to say. Is there anything that you uh, guys wanted to, to mention, even if it's from a previous topic that you might have glanced over? Um, any topics you want to continue, you know, cover before we move forward? No, I just wanted to. Uh, I wanted to give my shout out um, to Pokey for like literally like picking up this this episode and like carrying it on his back um because we had literally um i i had one, I, I had one topic in the list for this week um and you know usually we our topic list actually is kind of you know speckled with a couple things that each person's got to to come up with and and i we didn't we didn't have anything this week i i didn't think this episode was going to like you know be a thing more than 20 minutes and and pokey's just it, like there's like a whole page of topics here that we've gone over and he's been mile minuting through this thing um all freaking episode so um yeah thanks for like doing the whole show cast job this week it was nice <laughs> well, i appreciate the thanks yeah i'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of class it up a bit here i, I i'd like to actually get the show with like in a better state than when Jay left, rather than just a train wreck that we started in. So, you know, we're trying to, trying to, <laughs> trying to make it so here. Jay doesn't come back and be like, what did you do to this what thing? He'd be like, oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving again, guys. You, you can just clean up this mess on your own. All right. Uh, Bateman, do you have any shout out? Yeah. Um, this whole show, I have been munching on cashews. So I'd like to give a shout out to these honey chipotle cashews I picked up at Publix. Very delicious. Oh, he gave a shout out to nuts. <laughs> I got nothing. Well, well, got well, nothing. well how many weeks until your legal date? Um, like twelve, I think. Twelve <laughs> weeks. So, so that's gonna be episode one thirty-five. It's gonna be Ish. Bates. Uh, 
<laughs> what did we in September? We'll get it out of him. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to. We'll have it. Yeah, it's September 18th. So yeah, but it's gonna be like yeah. it's gonna be like another three years until we can have like a a show with with bait like drunk on the show. So oh, dude, that's oh. true. Well, yeah, I'll smoke while you drink. <laughs> I mean, you could buy dry ice and have it with you. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Livy, what's your shout out? Uh, you know, this is one of those shout out to um, Poland. I think it's Poland who actually made a stamp, an official stamp, uh, Witcher based. They love their Witcher. That's all I'll say. There. Oh, um, stamps. And I want, and I want one. Yeah, stamp. Postage. I, yeah, no. I know. Seriously, I actually I went last week um to the post office and I bought like five years worth of stamps. I t- uh, I literally the postage <laughs> the post the? office lady had to get up and go to the next counter over to get more because I bet she grumbled the whole way. It's not a fucker. There's fucking five years of stamps. They have Star Trek stamps this year. <laughs> oh, I-, <laughs> I want every. Every piece of postage that I mail from now until I drop dead to have Star Trek postage on it. I'm going to go back and buy more. I don't think I bought enough. God damn it, you're that guy. You're just going to go to the post office in the next town over? Yeah, I didn't want to go back to the same post office to buy more stamps because I look really you bad. Should. <laughs> really They'd be like that You guy, can't have used them all. Guy. Why do you want more? <laughs> all right, guys. Um... So my shout's going to be to the people of uh, New York that were affected by that uh, that bomb that went off. It's it's a really terrible thing. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, if you've lost anyone, it's it's our, our thoughts are with you, and I, I do sincerely, you know, I, it's it's a terrible thing. So um, shout out to you guys, and, and hopefully things are going as well as they possibly could given the situation. Um, but yeah, uh, and a shout out to as my brother pointed out, apparently there's. Bethesda or a, a, a subsidiary company is going to be producing uh, the actual Fallout 4 Nuka-Cola bottles, like the ones that look like the rockets in the game, um, for like an absurdly high price. But I am definitely going to buy them because they they look awesome. So uh, shout out to whoever actually listed the community and said, yeah, we're going to make these things because they'll sell because they're going to sell because they look cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening in either through the stream on the website or Twitch. Hopefully the website stream is a little more stable um, moving forward. I finally uh, stopped being cheap and actually just purchased a, an actual stream so it would stop being canceled for random reasons. Um, or the Twitch stream where I'm going to try to do some, some more cool stuff on that um, and hopefully get uh, a recording up. I, I was losing a lot of frames during the, the show here, so I'm not sure if that was um, bandwidth upload issues on my end or, or what. So I'll, I'll be sure to check out the recording and we'll see if it actually gets posted or not. But uh, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll sort it out. I would like to get these things actually recorded on Twitch as well to show all the images and stuff that I'm, I'm going to be uh, showing through that stream. Um, or if you pick us up on, on uh, iTunes, be sure to look at our website, uh, biomass.net or biomass.com. Zell posts um, more in-depth uh, pat, uh show notes on there um with some more details and whatnot to uh to kind of help you out because the itunes is a little more limited than what you can post so be sure to check us out on our website and give us feedback on what you think um you can go to the contact tab and uh, email us or get us on twitter or you can even reply to the comments we love feedback we love hearing from our regulars who give feedback um 
for either show ideas or if they want to be on the show or anything like that, just let us know and be sure to, to do our best to accommodate you. So uh, again, thank you for tuning in for a, a bit of a lengthy show. I, I know I rambled a bit, but uh, I just wanted to get all the cool TGS stuff that was coming out. And so you guys could check out all the neat trailers and uh, tell us what you think in the comments. So without much further ado, I want to thank you for tuning in and have a good night.